Any comment made by any host of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable reflects the opinions of that individual host and not that of the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast as a whole. Some of the hosts like Dwarf Therapist very much. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. Eh, that's the old chestnut there. The old <laughs> chestnut. The old chestnut. <laughs> the podcast that you've come to know and love. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm Jonathan, by the way. Oh, And I'm Roland, I'm, by the way. <laughs> and I'm both Roland and Jonathan. So what's up, guys? It's been a couple uh, weeks. Last week, we weren't able to be here because of scheduling and Mother's Day and all that kind of stuff. But we are back. Hopefully the folks out there aren't too disappointed that there's not an episode that was dropped last week. And we thank you for your patience. Yes, yes. Did you guys have much chance to play over the last couple weeks? Anything exciting happen in your fortresses? I still got the king, so I'm excited. I haven't killed that fortress yet, so that's been pretty exciting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's still chugging along. I mean, I'm not being too insane with it but yeah they're all still alive i'm not sure what to make of that have you noted any difference between the fortress operation whenever they have royalty there you know not just royalty but when they have the king there as opposed to just any other fortress they're all on their absolute best behavior really actually i don't know i haven't i haven't really had any problems with their behaviors i I know i'm not sure if that's just residual delight of the stress changes that have been pretty good or if that if it's you know i'm not sure why but yeah everyone's been pretty cool and i haven't been particularly thoughtful about how i'm managing them all and everyone seems to be in good spirits so that's wonderful and they have really crappy bedrooms um (laughs) and there's bits of rock laying absolutely everywhere because we haven't sorted that out either so is it a fairly healthy uh fairly healthy fortress yeah so there's 81 of them Hmm. Lots of babies, baronesses, got consorts. I've got baroness, consort, baroness, whole bunch of other random people. And uh, yeah, the king. And uh, it's it's really something. It's coming along. I haven't been able to, to get the king's bedroom up to the royal standards yet, even though I seem to be throwing everything I have at it. And, I, and I'm not totally sure how to view like the current value of something. So that's... That's all still works in progress. I think you could go to the, um, well, actually, that's a good question. If it's for a meeting area, then you can go to the uh, examine locations Yes, yeah, so to find out what the, uh, what the value of the room is. But I don't know about a bedroom. And I reckon is that, which one is it? Is it, uh, gosh, I can't remember. Um, I mean, personally, if... Is it R, capital R? I think it is. It's capital R. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, somewhere... Well, what's the screen called? Like nobility and status? Uh, mm-hmm. That's the same place where you appoint like a bookkeeper and stuff. And it tells you what you need. Right. That's an end key. Yeah. Yeah, that one it does. It just says it needs the opulent... No, does it say it needs the king wants... The king requires an opulent or has an opulent throne room, but needs a royal throne room. So yeah. which is um, better, ro- opulent or royal? Royal. Uh, royal is better. And I think I seem to remember reading that there was a big gap between what was opulent and what was royal. So 
So if I go to a bedroom here and I do the examine thing and I so you're talking capital see R, you know, the are you talking about capital R that lists out all the rooms in the build in the thing? So ah, that is interesting. Yeah. Which is cool. So I pull capital R up and then I look at it and I see, oh, the mayor has an opulent throne room. That's great. The king, it says throne room. And then a small S with brackets. And then it's red, which seems angry. And then I hit enter and I just get a blank screen. So I can't get past anything on that one. So I guess hmm. I'm going to say it's probably user error. But uh, hmm. I haven't figured it out yet. So I'm going to stay with it. Yeah, he's going to be sad. I don't want to lose my kingdom over this, but oh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, view building information. Yeah, it just has a blank, empty space there. Yeah, it's it's tricky. So that's the thing that's happening for me. So hopefully I can uh, figure out how to get them sorted out first and then um, we'll be good. Yeah, I'm going to put in my research under uh, for notes for, for next time. To uh to see if I can find out how to do that because I've I've not run into that before I've never looked for it, but I've never run into how you actually find the value of the things in a bedroom. Yeah, capital bedroom. R seems to seems to be pretty cool. Um, but then it looks yeah, like it's like, a place that it should be. Yeah. So when but I but if again if you hit if you hit a uh, enter to <laughs> examine get a blank the, <laughs> you, you get a blank screen. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Awesome. I noted though that at the top of the screen there, it says whenever I hit the uh, the enter key on one of my unfulfilled offices, it said that it was a um, that it just said bed at the top of the screen. So <laughs> bed, yeah, mm. bed, yeah. just one bed, <laughs> just bed. Well, that's all that's really in there. I feel like there's so much more here that that uh, that I've not yeah. managed to figure out. Yeah, for our first live stream, we're getting riveting listening while we, we are. Search, Everyone's probably just like, the- people are just like <laughs> reaching for their wallets right now. Quick, throw more money at this podcast. They're delivering great content. <laughs> <laughs> this is groundbreaking stuff. Let's listen in real time while they try to figure out basic tasks. How do I build a workshop? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. I'm As I said, I'm really stoked because I've got a king here. And um, yeah, I, I'm kind of motivated to actually keep this fortress alive. And cool. um and yeah, and then people are dying of thirst, and I don't know why, because we've got a well and lots of alcohol. So who knows? It's it's just a real roller coaster ride. This game, as always, which we know. Nice. Yeah. Um, also, by the way, you. our our one one viewer. Hi, by the way. Great job that you're here. We're very happy <laughs> about it. Um, is uh, saying that he just laid down gold floors and a few golden ah. statues and got a royal bedroom. Very awesome. Thank you. That is so cool. I'm going to do that. That is nice. That is nice. This segment is brought to you by Blood Toes. Creator of Deuce Amemen, worked strong in the village of Suzuksum. Worked strong is a giant flying squirrel bone weapon rack. All crafts warship is of the highest quality. It is encircled with bands of giant flying squirrel bone. On the item is an image of flasks in pink tourmaline. Um, so we've got future of the fortress, which is great because that implies there's a future of the fortress. That's cool. So, and we have the report. You know, I'll be honest. I I've been I haven't been reading a lot of the dev notes for for stuff lately because. I'm just kind of like, let's get the update out there and then I'll figure it out. Almost like 
is it spoilers? I don't know. It, it almost feels like as it's. It feels like it could be a little spoilery now. Now I'm kind of like <laughs> spoilery. Okay. Yeah, like for the rest of 2021, I just kind of want to, you know, I'm like just I'm I I figure like I might maybe loosely check in on some of the patch notes, but I don't want to spoil anything. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know if it's or... so much that in my in my the reports seem to be a different version of the same thing coming up. It's in essence working on the next thing and working on the next thing, but since we can't see the list, that doesn't give us much sense of uh, of progress. The list of what the next things are. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. what's 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 what? Yeah, a road a roadmap <laughs> is that what you're kind of? Yeah, yeah, well, at least a roadmap for the Steam release. I, I'm sure that he has at least something in mind. Um, and I would really like to know if he's actually going to try to get adventure mode converted before Steam comes out. I've what do you guys get the feeling for that? I feel <laughs> like that's almost a huge pill to swallow. I feel like there's so much in adventure mode that I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's just a lot more that can go wrong in adventure mode because if you start, you know, it's like one thing to kind of generate the world and you got to have it playing in the background and weird stuff can happen and the player might not see it. And when you're in your fortress, you're pretty much focused on building your fortress. I feel like there's so many more um, variables of things that, that, that he has to worry about to get adventure mode working right. Yeah, I, sadly, yeah. I wonder if that's even possible in this, but I mean, hey, the guy's kind of like a coding wizard, so you never know what he's going to pull off. Well, I, <laughs> I think my point is, is I really hope that, that that doesn't make it take another two years for the release. So. Well, at least yeah. he's not talking about putting it on the blockchain. So that's great. How would you apply? Yeah, it would be interesting no, to see how you would apply blockchain to. That's how the Dwarf Fortress saves should be kept with the blockchain. Oh, God. You have to buy dwarf tokens in order to, to do it. And that's how we're going to fund the game from now on. Uh, non-fungible dwarves. No, oh, thank God. you. No, thank you. Oh, oh! instead of instead of artifacts, dwarves create NFTs. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. the that's the future of the fortress. No, no charge for that advice, Tarn. It's free to you, buddy. Um, There's also the mission status statement, which I uh, I enjoy putting electronic uh, dramatic music behind. And now for the mission status from Threeto, as read by Urist Sadism Spikes. Do you ever get tired of jobs never being finished and of always having to tell your dwarves which labors they are allowed to accomplish? Now all dwarves will pick up the slack. Even children will have menial tasks to perform and keep the fortress running smoothly. All for the call of industry and the greater good. But nothing will be more difficult for those of you that desire greater control over how things get done, for everything will be easier and simpler. Fear not, for change, like death, is the vehicle for a greater rebirth. Congratulations to the generous Frito. That is a uh, the portending a big change. 
right? I mean, what it's basically saying is that we're going to go from assigning jobs to dwarves to uh, to having uh, uh, auto auto labor. We've yeah, got but that is it a true auto labor? Is it is it true auto labor, or is it more like um, yeah, there's like dirt here, uh, and the job assignment is now a bit smoother uh, mm. because I I can. I don't think we we get like actual auto labor in the game. I maybe no. He does indicate though that, uh, and I quote: "Nothing will be more difficult for those of you that desire greater control over how things get done. For everything will be easier and simpler." So uh, yeah, maybe they're going to do that sort of task scheduling thing that some of us do with uh, DF Hack. I'm I'm a big fan of auto labor. And I know we've talked about that before and that it's, you know, I think the cons of auto labor are you don't have dwarves necessarily becoming legendary at making mugs or whatever because yeah. they can make mugs and polish a floor and it's just kind of tasks just sort of get assigned. But on the other hand, I don't have to use that crappy spreadsheet thing that I hate so much, whatever that app is that everyone loves that I cannot wrap my head. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around that thing. Sorry <laughs> to crap on it. I just, I can't do it. It's too much like work. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I get it. I get it. Um, yep. but yeah, so I mean anything like a happy medium because sometimes auto labor feels a bit too autopilot. Um, and you do lose some control, but you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be writing word macros for my doors. So, um, yeah, a happy medium would be really cool. I mean, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe they introduce, uh, auto labor for menial jobs, like cleaning, hauling, stuff like that. Um, but like major jobs where you can actually get skills in, you still have the assignment version so that you don't have a dwarf that is doing everything but getting legendary in his actual job because that would be help helpful military is the one that i think is useful and i think auto i think auto labor deals what with do you that. mean by what do you mean by military so i think my military dwarves stay in the military and they don't go off and polish the floor if i if i commit them to the military yeah. i think they they stay with it they don't join the pools of auto labor He's yeah, just, I think that's the way that works. I think there is. I think there's. Well, as long as they're on duty, they're not going to uh, to go polish the floor. Yeah. But if uh, I think if they're off duty, they will though. If yeah, in, I never let them the rest. Of... I work them to death. I'm really <laughs> no really, rest. Nah, I don't. They whatever. They're just. <laughs> it's not my problem. <laughs> You're from the Kim Jong Un school of uh, of, <laughs> of military God. training. <laughs> <laughs> like fellas, if you don't like being in the military, you can just go join another fort. Uh, it's not a this is not a democracy in this fort. I don't they don't take too kindly to voting and challenging authority. Here, meet my anti aircraft artillery shell. Yeah. Lock in a room and you starve to death. It's simple but uh, effective. Beatings will continue until the morale improves. Um, that's the school of thought that I'm going for here. Got another so we question. Yeah, to, go for it. Oh, go, no, no, you go ahead, man. No, I was about to ask. I'm, I'm intact. I'm in go mode here. I'm in like, you're here. I'm going to ask all my stupid door fortress questions. You guys can answer them for me. Um, when you're, you, you've, let's say you've got a robust metal industry. 
you're very excited about it, but you are confronted with the problem, which is trees are the only way you can fuel your, your furnace. Cause I, you know, in this fort, I haven't found any coal and I haven't found any lignite. So I guess my options are cut down the trees or try to go find lava. Is there anything I'm missing there? Or is that pretty much what you, you guys can, uh, That's That's pretty much it, honestly. Well, but when you say cut down trees, are you including the fungi wood? Because if you go down to the caverns, you can usually get a good supply of, of fungi wood there. And that burns just like regular wood, right? Yeah, does that's, that, that's correct. Does that, though, um, does that piss off the elves, the fungi wood, or do they just um, not care? No, I don't think cutting stuff in the cavern, uh, like, they don't care about that. They only care about normal above-ground trees with actual leaves, you know? Because they're really mad at me for cutting down the trees. And, of course, I really don't care about the elves, and I'm not particularly threatened by them. Um, I, have you guys ever been beaten by elves? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Who has lost to the elves? <laughs> there was this dream I had. <laughs> I mean... Um... I, I want to hear from somebody if they've been beat by elves. I, I tend not to get into conflict with them because it feels a bit unfair. So I just kind of try to placate them and, yo, yeah, you guys are the best. Maybe... Like, what about taking the fight to him? Um, is that a risk at all? Um, you have to think of one thing, which is the elves are really good at taming animals, especially large animals off screen do a lot of damage simply because their like physical strength is so high. So a war tiger is like a very boring lame war animal on screen but if you send it off screen it suddenly becomes a very ferocious killer machine and the bigger an animal is the more terrifying it becomes off screen so now the thing is when your elves have the ability to tame and war train polar bears for example <laughs> then you are going to have a problem when you are sending people to them. But if they come to you and put the polar bears in your actual fortress, where kind of a different way of combat is being uh, made, then they're not an enormous threat like they are off screen. So it really depends on what kind of war animals they use, I noticed. I see. Okay. And when you mean off screen, what do you mean? Like if I'm not actively fighting them or what, what do you mean? Off screen just means for me that, for example, you take your military and send them out to ambush somebody's place. Uh, then yep. your, your combat is a, a tiny bit different and suddenly like physical strength is being handled differently. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's why the else in world gen are actually really, really terrifying, not only because they actually eat corpses, but because they can win fights against dwarves. Uh, yeah, because, you know, if, if you have it on screen, your dwarves usually win because they have armor and they're stronger. And they can punch through the elves' armor, but in Weldren, it just works a bit differently. Uh, okay. So I really do need to be somewhat cognizant of these elves, not not just not let hubris get in the way of my decisions. So I'll keep them at arm's arm's length or elves' length. I mean, as long as they come to you, you should be fine. But um, going after them, 
I would tell you to get some big animals to to war train them and send them off. You know, like like giant polar bears. They're pretty cool. What is you guys take on on these beasts of burden? I've only been able to to make war dogs. That's that's the most I've been able to do, and I haven't modded the game or anything. Um, well, I personally really like war animals. Uh, I mean, okay, sure, they have a very limited use. Um, when you have something like a war elephant, you have a problem just keeping that thing alive because it eats so much grass it will basically clean out the entirety of your map but uh, other than that they're pretty great like i had a war elephant once and i kept it in a pasture and i had to mod the game so that my uh, uh, what's it called my like my grazing coefficient number was higher so i could actually keep the elephant locked up and didn't have to put him in a pasture that is like 200 blocks. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. What's, wow. what's, what's grazing coefficient? Oh. Is that um, how much food they eat? It's like how how much uh, grass... Um, okay, how do I explain this? It's like how efficient is the grazing technique? Is it in essence how, how quickly the animal's going to clear out your, your grazing pasture? I feel yeah. like that must be what it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it uh, stands in relation to that. So a higher grazing coefficient means that um, they don't need as, uh, like, huge pastures and okay. can be fed by in, in like, uh, smaller pastures instead. So uh, upping the number is really great when you have like large animals because they will eat your hair off your head in like two seconds. Hmm. So yeah, I, I I never got an elephant. You do a lot of that though, right? Excuse you me? purchase a lot of animals from the elves. Ah, do you do that? Oh yes, yes. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Yes, that is basically the only reason why I tend to keep somewhat friendly friendly relations with the elves simply because they have really cool animals. And, um, you know, I, I can't be mad at them when they just brought me a grizzly bear. And I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so um, I hope that they return next year with a, with a different gender grizzly bear. So I have a breeding pair, um, <laughs> which sometimes happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But it, it is always great when you have, like, uh, exotic animals from somewhere over the world. And you can breed them, and you, you can, especially when they are war trainable and fairly large. That's great. Come out to Brandon Wright's Cake of Craft Tavern, located in the fourth underground level of Suzuki'sum. It's still under construction, but they have a 6x3 dance floor, and the smiles are free. All visitors welcome. So we were we were talking about some things that that we were gonna do with our with our forts, and one of them was you were gonna try to find the circus, and you were gonna try to mine some adamantine. That's so right. How's that going? Well, we had a uh, user write in to uh, to Urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U R I S T at dfroundtable.com. That's how you contact us if you want to send us an email. Uh, but uh, a user asked us to talk about stockpiles and stockpile design and things ah, like that. Yeah, let's do it. So and I know that we've covered that uh, a little bit in the past, but I've never actually figured out how to do it well. 
So I thought that was that that's what I would work on in our time between episodes. And I did somewhat. So I did get <laughs> my biggest problem with the stockpiles is is I guess twofold. One is that my farmers, whenever I'm trying to grow plump helmets, they always they can never find the seeds, even though I know dang well that they have seeds available to them. They always cancel the jobs because they can't they can't find seeds for plant or, or spawn hmm. for planting planting mushrooms. And my other problem is that for whatever reason, the people who build a lot of stone things and I do focus for whatever reason on building stone trinkets and stone furniture and all that, because I guess because the stone's plentiful. My people tend to go way far away and getting stone whenever they have a stockpile that's that's closer to them that they probably should be pulling from. So hmm. I went to the, the Dwarf Fortress Wiki and Dwarf Fortress Wiki has an excellent article on stockpile design. So one thing that I had never done before is I'd never really uh, attached a workshop to a particular stockpile. And I'm still not sure that I successfully did that. So so tell me, I couldn't find anything that says, hey, workshop, pull only from this particular stockpile. But I did find it the other way around. Yes. Where a stockpile feeds a particular workshop. Uh-huh. If you have a stockpile feeding a workshop, will that stockpile only feed that particular workshop? Um. No, no, let me say let me say that again. I said that wrong. <laughs> if you if you attach a stockpile to a workshop, will that workshop only draw from that stockpile? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. You can't just have the dwarves store certain things in that stockpile. So if if you had a stockpile for bars and blocks and you told the workshop to only take from that stockpile, but they were putting it in a different but they were putting your bars and blocks in a different stockpile, you might get stuck where no one's ever gonna be able to make anything because they wouldn't go to the different stockpile yep. where they have been putting the stuff. Yes, yeah, so you have to be exactly. Yeah, so it yeah, gets I'm sure you bit, have to be a little careful. Yeah, but the main the main thing that would solve though is my masons going twenty steps away whenever they have a have a stockpile of stones that are perfectly good five steps away. Hmm. Yeah, that is kind of weird. That's true. Yeah, I haven't gotten too careful with those. So my stockpile strategy is very basic. I tend to just make one, I, I usually make like one huge warehouse floor and then I build lots of different stockpiles in that warehouse floor. And then it lets me check on stockpiles really easily. And I don't have to worry that <laughs> we've run out of food or whatever. And then usually next to the dining room, I make a special stockpile for food. And then I make a special one for alcohol. So I can kind of visually keep tabs on how that stuff's going. And then uh, that's that's pretty much as detailed as I get with my stockpiles. Hmm. I, don't, I don't do much more than that. If I'm in a panic situation where I'm playing like in an old world and I'm worried that I'm going to get invaded really quickly, I'll make an everything stockpile inside and just have them bring all the wagon stuff in and then wall myself in and then figure the rest out later. That's something I've done too. Well, I certainly do that. Uh, that's one yeah. among the first things that I do. Because of what I learned on the uh, the quick start, the fortress quick start, but uh, yeah, one of the first things I do is create an everything stockpile that has everything except except stone and wood, refuse and and uh, corpses. I think hide your but, assets. Yeah, well, that's that's it, right? So, and really, you don't have to put everything in it. You, if, as long as you know what's on your wagon, then just 
put a stockpile that it contains everything that's on your wagon. If you don't have, um, you know, if you don't have furniture on your wagon, then there's no sense in, in putting a furniture stock, including furniture in your general purpose stockpile. When the point of it is, is to just get your dwarves out of the open. Yeah, that is true. That makes sense to me. You know, one thing I'm really looking forward to in the Steam version is the um, a little flexibility around, I, and I say this because I was digging out a big storerooms thing right now. And you know when you hit warm stone and, and it wants to pause the game? And there's a centering bug, so it'll obviously, so it'll oftentimes like pause the game and then zoom to the wrong place. And then if you're yeah. doing a big thing, it's like you're just you basically just have to kind of sit and stare off into space while it clears its queue of digging or whatever. That's annoying, and I'm looking forward to that being fixed with Steam release. That seems that seems like something that's probably um, from like text will be text or one of the add-ons rather than something bugged in the game. Yeah, uh, when it comes to stockpile design, um, apparently I overshoot a little bit if I hear you too, but um, because uh, you see when you want to make a stockpile, uh, then it like tells you what kind of stockpile you want, like gem, stone, blah, blah, blah. And I tend to do a stockpile for everything at least once somewhere in the fortress, simply okay. so that I have everything like need and Okay, not neat and orderly. It's still my fortress, am I right? But um, at least so I can like look at it and see like, oh, okay, we have a lot of wool. We have a lot of cloth and maybe I should start my clothing now or wow, um, these are a lot of seats. I don't have so many drinks. For example, also, I have a weird thing where I put a very small um, um, drink stockpile into my tavern simply so that people don't have to like run around the entirety of my fortress yep, and do that too. yeah that Agreed. yeah and that thing is always linked with a take from to my main drink stockpile that is up in the kitchen area and uh, so that is there my, a reason why you, is there a particular reason why you oh, go ahead you were about to say the reason <laughs> yeah uh, because quite interrupting, yeah. <laughs> the reason is um that way um i have a large drink stockpile somewhere else um and my small stockpile is, is continually being filled with new alcohol whenever something is being emptied so that's pretty cool so i have like maybe four five six different barrels of uh, alcohol and when one runs out immediately a new job gets uh, queued so that one dwarf gets up to the kitchen area and gets a new barrel of drink. So that's very practical in my opinion. What else do I do? For example, a furniture stockpile. I really like making furniture, but I don't apparently like putting the furniture into my fortress. So um, my furniture stockpile is large and always filled to the brim with uh, furniture that I'm not going to use. Yeah, that's probably not how you should play the game, but hey. <laughs> that's how I make my money, you know? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I noticed that uh, like stone furniture is just really heavy and you can only sell so much before the trader goes like, no, my pack animals, you're breaking their backs. Please stop. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's. I, I should probably sell more, but uh, you know, I don't know. I don't tend to run into that very often. Occasionally, I will, 
but typically I uh, I don't run into the problem of having too much for them to to carry back out of there. And I do a lot of stone furniture and 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 such. Hmm. But I've had that problem I, when I um when I make a lot of stuff out of gold. Like I made a whole bunch of stuff uh, like gold chairs or whatever gold yeah. doors yeah. and then yeah they got really mad and we're just like oh i can't take anything and um and i think part of it was that i guess their wagons couldn't reach my site so they were like l- lugging stuff in on donkeys or whatever and so then i cut down a whole bunch of trees and made it easier for them and then they seemed to be happier so i don't, I don't hmm. know if that's a thing that you guys have run into but interesting oh yeah one thing I, I started doing as well is, for example, my, my clothing is my, my clothing and cloth, cloth stockpiles are more elaborate simply because I tend to have a unfinished cloth, meaning it's just like wool, yarn and stuff like that. And then I have a processed cloth uh, thing so that the unprocessed thing takes from everywhere then only gives to like specific workshops, like maybe two, maybe three. And those only give to that one specific other uh, cloth stockpile. And that works fairly well, simply because uh, I can have a dude that is just hauling stuff while I have a different dude that is just working on it. Um, And that's pretty neat, very practical. I ran into a lot of stockpile issues whenever I was trying to make soap. I had a lot of uh, problems with uh, supplying the ash and the fat. Oh yeah, and I would have it. I would have both of those things, but it seems like I never quite figured out the um, the timing that you had to set up. I, I guess if you have uh, a lot of stockpiles that have a lot of lye and a lot of uh, fat already, then uh, then you're not going to run into it. But I don't know. It seems like they were making soap faster than I could produce the ingredients to do the soap. Yeah, it's a little flaky, yeah. isn't it? Soap yeah. soap's a funny one. Indeed. Soap's very funny. So my other issue that I have with with stockpiles that I'm really trying to fix is the canceling jobs because the farmers can't find seed. Uh, I read about a process by doing a two stockpile system where you have a feeder stockpile. And I should say that, that all of these is assuming that you've restricted these particular stockpiles to having seeds only. And you put them, I guess, near your uh, still and near your farms. But, uh, but you have one stockpile that is a feeder stockpile that takes from anywhere, but does not allow barrels. So you have another stockpile that only takes from the feeder stockpile and does allow barrels. And they say the reason that you do that is because otherwise you can have a lot, apparently a lot of situations where dwarves are stupid and they pick up a barrel whenever someone eats a plump helmet in the tavern they will go to the stockpile, grab a barrel, take the barrel to the tavern, put the plump helmet spawn into the barrel, and then return the barrel to the stockpile. I see. That is stupid. Yeah. Hmm. It is stupid, is but stupid. it is the mechanic of it. So when that happens, not just whenever the barrel has gone from the stockpile, but as soon as the order comes for the person to come get the barrel to take to the tavern, yeah, they the can't put into. anything in it anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and, and, or take it out. So those seeds that are in that barrel are, are unavailable. So a way to, to, to prevent, that, prevent that from happening is to do the feeder stockpile that doesn't contain any barrels and have that take from anywhere 
and then only have your main stockpile take from the feeder stockpile. Yeah, that's smart. That way, that's smart. That way, whenever they pick up a barrel to take it, they are never taking it more than a couple steps to the to the uh, feeder stockpile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're trying to outsmart the doors. So you can still have it happen if the timing's perfect, but it's going to be two steps rather than, you know, 200 steps to get the barrel down to the tavern. Smart. Yeah. Again, that is on the Dwarf Fortress Wiki's uh, stockpile design page, which is really interesting. Hmm. I always wonder whenever I hear things like that, do you think that's by design or is it just a happy accident? A happy accident? You mean the idiocy of the dwarves? Or an unhappy accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, was this the designer's intent for us no. to, to, to do this? I expect it just turned out that way and yeah. and he's just not gotten around to fixing it. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's because, all sorts of funny stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I suspect that by the time that it was, you know, if, if it's anything like the uh, software that I work around, by the time it was noticed that it was a problem, the procedural code was too well embedded in the system and changing it would probably break lots of other stuff. So that's that's the truth of software development, isn't it? <laughs> well, we're yep. too far down that road, so we're doing it. It looks like there's a lot of stuff changing with stockpiles in, in some of the patch notes that I'm totally not looking at, but it does look like there's a lot of changes around around stockpiles and barrels and bins and that kind of thing. So maybe the way that we're thinking about this stuff will change soon next year when the when Steam comes out. I mean, hopefully some like uh, glitchiness will be gone, but um, I think, for example, the... The, the, the whole, oh, yeah, I can't access this barrel because the dude that is on the other side of the fortress wants to access it. Um, that I, I can't believe that will like vanish simply because it's it's so deep embedded. So that might be one of those things that stays. But, you know, it is a little endearing, actually. <laughs> I, I don't know that I dislike it. It's, it's just like a quirk of dwarves. Well, it's workable. <laughs> it's it's you can figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, that's. At least it's not like a game breaker, you know. There's yeah, ways around that's, it. That's true. It's not like the one where they would hop on the children and ride the mother like a horse until she died. That was my favorite game breaker of recent <laughs> times. You remember that? That was, was in that? like yeah, that was yeah, in like forty-seven oh three or something like that, where the children would would mount the mother until she died. <laughs> like yeah, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. Ah, uh, good times. I think that was not as intended. Oh, um, one of the the only things why I really, really care about actually linked stockpiles is just my kitchen. I don't know why, but I, I, I think I'm obsessed with Dwarf Fortress food. The thing about the kitchen is, right, when you want to make a lavish meal, you need several ingredients. And of course, those ingredients have to be like pushed to your kitchen. So getting those ingredients to your kitchen is apparently really really hard for your dwarves yes because what they really like to do instead of taking like three different things is just taking a full barrel of stuff and then making like cat tallow roast that is just cat tallow like four times over (laughs) um that's great but i don't like it so what you want to do is you want a kitchen that is just taking from a stockpile where you don't allow barrels in. And the stockpile is just... F- oh, dude, that's brilliant. 
Yeah, yeah. four or five uh, blocks wide. So you only have like four or five uh, items in it. And uh, usually and there's they... always going to be a variety. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So and uh, it is very unusual that um, you actually have like four of the same item uh, in there. Um, I most often see just four different items and then they take from that, take those four different items and put it into the kitchen. The only downside is I feel like it it is taking way, way longer to actually produce a lavish meal simply because somebody has to push like the four ingredients into the stockpile and only then uh, food can be made. But on the other hand, you actually get like like actual food that isn't just like cat tallow four times over. Um, so I think it's uh, it's it's good. You know, I can work with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just noticed that uh, that on my on my game, my dwarves are slaughtering flying squirrels. Hmm. <laughs> I've got a hunter that's going after the flying squirrels that were on the map that weren't hurting anybody. They'll kill themselves sometimes to to do that. They have a strong compulsion to hunt those guys too <laughs> the flying squirrels in particular or just they get obsessed about particular animals no sometimes you hunt. get a dwarf and they'll just get a like they'll just be out for whatever um <laughs> yeah for just, like a they'll just obsessively to... kill that yeah. thing even to their yeah, own yeah. peril yeah that's very funny especially if it's something dumb like a porcupine yeah i tracked this porcupine for three months yeah <laughs> I've killed it, but in doing so, I've drowned myself in the river. The end. This segment is brought to you by Lucas, creator of Tabul Solon Ebrook, Tabul Flag Ashes, in the village of Suzuksung. Tabul Flag Ashes is a granite coffin. All crafts dwarfship is of the highest quality. It menaces with spikes of granite. On the item is an image of Swordquest, the master of throwers, the cryolite slab, in granite. Okay, let's go over the email, the, the mail and the messaging from our listeners. Yes. If you would like to contact us, you can either go to the website and put a comment on a episode of your choice. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so. Urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. We've got mail. So um, Mitchell Peterson wrote in and told us that uh, that he enjoys the podcast. And um, he also, like Tony, or at least, I guess, Tony, do you play much RimWorld? I know you talk about it I've often. talked about it. I haven't played it for a long time, not since I found the uh, Dwarf Fortress. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Mitchell is one of those folks who has discovered Dwarf Fortress after playing some RimWorld, so... Uh, he thinks that if you play RimWorld before moving to Dwarf Fortress, the Dwarf Fortress will be easier for you to understand. I yeah, agree with him. Does make sense. I absolutely yeah. agree with him. Yeah, it's it's a great way to get a sense of how things work. Um, and what's cool about RimWorld is some of the concepts are a lot easier to get into. It's a much more ruthless game, I think, but um, but the concepts are presented to you in an easier to digest way. And it kind of introduces the concept of stockpiles and workshops and that kind of thing. And, you know, that sort of, I mean, it micromanage, but in a positive way um, that you don't get with other games. Like if you're playing apex legends or whatever, you're probably going to have a hard time with this game. Um, 
But if, if you're coming from RimWorld, it's probably going to feel pretty good. Yeah, he, he also says that he hasn't found it to be that difficult of a, of a game to play. It is not a difficult game. Dwarf I Fortress mean, is not a difficult game. The gameplay itself is not difficult. Getting to where you can move around and navigate is probably the more difficult part of it. So, What I think is people like to talk about Dwarf Fortress, and they've read that article on Medium or whatever that says it's hard to play. And so they're like, I know something about Dwarf Fortress, and the thing that I know about it is that it's hard to play. Yeah. And so people will tell you that it's hard to play, and that is without having ever touched it. And I think it is kind of hard to play if you pull up the ASCII version. Um, and you and you haven't looked at anything or read anything, I wouldn't say that it holds your hand and guides you. But once you figure out the basics and use some sort of a walkthrough, it's not very complicated yeah, to no, play it's, the game. It's, it's not, especially if you're like, oh yeah, dwarves need food. Farming makes food. Like The general ideas behind it are fairly simple. The way how to do it, that can be quite elaborate, yeah. Also, like, the whole uh, layout of the game, like, the UI, that is what's hard. Yeah, I mean, and, and you can you can make it as hard as you want it to be. Like, you can you can go do that stuff that Nate's doing with minecart shotguns. Yeah. yeah, like, you can do that, and that's what's awesome. Um, or you can not, <laughs> you know, or, and you can just kind of take it easy and make soap and pat yourself on the back for having solved one of life's most complicated things. Um, and then you feel really good about it. And you're like, I can make soap anytime now. <laughs> well, thanks Mitchell for sending in the email. And we agree. Uh, Charlie Hinton uh, made a comment to uh, one of the episodes, I think it was episode 49. Uh, we were talking about reclaiming uh, objects. I was sad that you couldn't just tell it to go out and reclaim every bolt that is on the screen without having to go track them down. Uh, it looks like I may have missed something, which is not surprising. Charlie indicates that you can use DBC, the command uh, chain, to change forbidden items to claimable, uh, apparently all at once. And it also al allows you to designate areas as well as individual objects for reclaiming them. So got to check that out. That so. way, I'd love to talk about that with you guys because I've had some experiences doing that and I ruined a fortress over it because I think I made too what? many things claimable. And so well, I like unforbid everything, and including stuff that was like stuck in trees. And then basically all the FPS like ground to halt and the fortress died because they couldn't get whatever it was from a tree and I just didn't figure uh, it out in time. I've uh, had some challenges, so I, I need more information <laughs> on that one before I know what's going on. Thanks, Charlie, for sending the, the email. Finally, this episode, we had a message from Drunk Raccoons. Uh, oh. This was in response to episode 50. And Drunk Raccoons says, Dwarf Fortress rap. It has to happen. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> I think um, if you're listening, we would love to hear it. Let us know when it's done, and we'd be happy to play it on the podcast. I fear well, no, that I, he I wants us. it has us... to be German. Oh, what? It's, no. it's got to be German rap. Oh, no. Oh, German <laughs> Yeah. No. So yeah, so once again, if you want to send an email, send it to urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. You'll hear that address again in the outro. Okay. Um, have you guys got anything else to add today? Mm. Nothing. Nothing, yeah. but I've got great ideas for our next podcast. We're gonna talk about traps. We're going to talk about not going to talk about archers. We're going to no, no, this is a great idea. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah let's, I'm, I feel let's like traps. That one on we've the... got we've got some rich stuff to talk about, and I'm playing around with stuff, so we're gonna we're gonna be coming in hot on that one. So it's yeah, I don't be think we've talked much about traps, really. Oh no, we've got a so. whole world of traps ahead of us here. All right, so our plan for two weeks from today is to talk about traps. Yeah, and cool. I want to say, if you have questions or thoughts or things that you'd want us to talk about and research and yeah, send us questions or thoughts or concerns or whatever about traps because I think I'd like to make it a good discussion on that. And your feedback yeah. is welcome. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Thanks everyone for stopping in. Uh, catch you in a couple of weeks and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Uh, goodbye. That was until abrupt. next time. <laughs> <laughs> that was abrupt. Pip Pip and Toodaloo. Attention members and guests, Christopher Harris brings you the Sepia Glen, the newest guild hall in Suzuksum, representing the Farmer Guild, the Flaxen Hall. Come learn and enjoy fellowship. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable.com.